Hi, welcome to another episode of Sub Tours. Oh yes, we are doing something of substance for once. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, finally taking a break from all the superhero slash action movies, all the violence and gore. And now let's actually get to something of worthy merits. But before we get to that, my name's MJ. I'm Misha. And I'm Andrew. So yes, today today we are actually talking about Nomadland, the Oscar winner for Best Picture this year. So hooray! Congratulations as well for winning Best Director. So this movie, we just really got to talk about. Absolutely. Um, The film is directed by Chloe Zhao and um, she's primarily known as an indie film director. And if I'm not mistaken, she is the first woman of color. Is that the right term? I don't even know now. Yes, that's what that's what they announced it as. She's the second woman to ever win an Oscar Mm -hmm. and the the first woman of color to win or person of no woman of color for directing. Yes, for directing. Who was was the first woman? Ex-wife me, James Cameron, Catherine Bigelow. For um, the Hurt Locker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Yes, it was very stressful. Mm-hmm. This, on the other hand, was actually very in calming in a way. It was very low key, very simple, but still really powerful. It definitely yes, packed a punch for something that, on the outset, it looked really bleak going in. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. The first 15 minutes was goddamn depressing. Just the setup and all that. It, I, I did not expect that. Because I, I, I mean, it goes to uplifting places later on, but the opening, I, I was not prepared for that, for the setup. The story is about a woman named Fern who had recently just lost her husband. Where they were living in a place called uh, Empire. Empire, Nevada, where apparently a place that lost its uh, zip code, lost their entire it's livelihood, not really recognized yeah. as a exactly yeah. So uh, where all its residents were forced to relocate, and she refused to relocate because of uh, up until. A, her husband passed away. Uh, so she basically lives a nomadic lifestyle now, uh, which is why it's called Nomadland. There you go. And um, Shortest way to explain <clears> it. The bulk of the story know. involves her travels and the different people that she encounters along the way. And uh, what I found particularly fascinating was when the movie would go into the nitty gritty of what it likes to actually, what it means to actually live out of your car. Like literally. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, they go into the mechanics of how big a bucket you need to poop in. Because yep. sometimes you're going to be in a place without a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I like the part where, where, where she was explaining that if you had bad knees, you could have gotten with a uh, gone with a larger or a higher higher bucket. Less, less <laughs> bending. Oh, yeah. Anjo, please don't take less notes. Bending. Yep. Please, please don't, don't try this. I mean, I know you got like busy with the whole daddy duties, but you know, <laughs> putting a bucket next to your bed is not the answer. <laughs> what? It's okay. What? It's okay. The bucket is not going to be for me. The bucket's going to be for the baby. Uh, you want, you, it's called I'm going to tell your wife you said that. <laughs> Please don't put your baby in the bucket. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. The baby's uh, diaper. You're, you're considering I'm a so poop glad bucket. you clarified that. That it's for the diapers and not the baby. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. God, diapers, eh? So, yeah, that's basically okay. how it goes. It's all about Fern and her um, adventures living in her teeny tiny van. And oh my goodness, the living conditions. You think about it and mm-hmm. like you're, I, you probably think like, wow, I am so spoiled. I cannot for the life of me do this. Just like traveling. Although it is such a nice freeing concept to not be so dependent on ev- so many of the things that we have now. And just like living simple and like what um, the other nomads also share that you're more in tune with the earth. You're just like on your own time. You don't have to pay rent. You can just like go anywhere. It seems like such a freeing concept. And I love how somehow, like Misha said, the first few minutes did seem like, oh, wow, this is so difficult. This is so, you know for a lack of a better term, difficult talaga. But when you proceed throughout the movie, it just feels like it doesn't put them, it doesn't show all these people who choose this lifestyle to be kawawa. It's like you yes. give them a sense of pride yeah. and dignity in choosing to live this way. Because not everybody who is homeless and has to live in their car, well, unfortunately, there are people who have to do that. And I wish something could be done about that. But there are people who have that choice. We yeah. And this, this is about those lifestyle. people yeah. who choose to live <laughs> like this. And it just gave them dignity. And, you know, it's just like, we choose this and this is a beautiful life that we chose because we're happy in it. So that's what I really appreciated about it. Absolutely. I, I really appreciated that. Like I said, and what you said also, that it starts out heavy, but as the movie goes on, you see that these aren't miserable people. No. These aren't unhappy people. Nope. But, Something that you notice as the story goes on is Fern herself is constantly looking for something, you know. She wants to be a part of this culture. She wants to, you know, she 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 wants to convince herself that, yes, I'm free. I'm living by my own rules, you know. I can be on my own and all that sort of thing. But there's still something that weighs very heavily on her. And it doesn't matter how far she drives or where she goes to try and avoid thinking about it or confronting it. It eats away at her on some level. I think um, we'll get to the last part as to what... I think this this movie is... Um, what was beautiful about this movie is, is that it was a movie about closure. Mm-hmm. But it was so... It was disguised so well with the story. You know, how it was played out. Because you only realize that at a particular point in the movie that we'll get to probably later as we discuss or dissect the movie further. But this movie was essentially, from my point of view, a movie about closure and acceptance about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, like her. There you go. Which, which was probably the most, one of the most beautiful things about this movie is that it was so subtle. It had its nuances and it was so very real. Yes, it wasn't preachy. I like that about it. Yeah. But the, the, um, it actually lived up to show, mm-hmm. don't tell. And the dialogue was so simple and it realistic. It was so real that even the situations that, were like, uh, somebody yep. even mentioned before that it feels like a documentary almost. Mm-hmm. I did. I messaged you. Right. I, and yep, the way it was shot, the camera movements, camera angles, Everything, the, even the interaction, it just came out so natural. I don't know if yes. they were, yes, how much so improv how these felt. people were doing, but I'm pretty sure that it was just Francis McDormand and uh, the leading man David David, who were pro- professional yeah. actors. You did see in the credits David's that the names there actually most of the people that she meets along the way, like you see, oh, it's, it's their name and the Swanky, nickname. It's like basically Linda people May. playing themselves. 
So this is as real as mm-hmm. as it can get. Yep. Like, They're these actual nomads. Yeah. They're actual nomads. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. like um, with regards to what you said yeah. earlier about David Strathairn, um, I've actually enjoyed his performances, and I'm going to date myself again. I, I first saw him like in this early '90s movie called Sneakers, where Robert Redford led a team of hackers. If you can imagine what hacking looked like in the early '90s, Jesus Christ! But with Robert Redford, yes. wow! And the bad guy was Ben <laughs> Kingsley. But anyways, wow! Uh, so David Strathairn played their blind hacker, and he was really good at his job. And he had like his own console that, in, that I gotta watch. It gave movie. outputs in Braille, so he could like feel it. It's like like oh, a little cool. box, and then just like with dots that would raise up. So he he could. Oh, that's that's cool. how he read his computer screen. That's how he would do his hack, his hacking stuff. But what I always oh, like wow. about this guy is he's popped up in a lot of other things. He's been in Lincoln and things like that. He's always very he's so laid back. It's all it it comes across more naturally than if he was making like some kind of big fancy monologue. Yep, that's why it worked. Maybe the 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 grandest thing it did. Or the most exaggerated role I've seen him play is like the Professor X type character in the show called Alphas. But that's it. Lord Alphas. But oh, that's such. As for as for Frances McDormand, there's very little I think that we can say about her that hasn't already been said. She's incredible in anything she does. Honestly. Yep. I know. I first saw her in Fargo, and. Oh my God, her in Fargo Fargo is amazing, brilliant, and um, three billboards outside. Um, Ebbing, Missouri, a couple of years ago. That was great too. Bitch, almost against, famous. Uh, she was with Peter Dinklage. She was the mom in I Almost Famous. I was getting famous. there. Oh yeah. I was. And <laughs> I was gonna get there, but first I had to. I had to complain about the atrocity at Transformers Three. Oh yeah. Why sorry. the fuck is she in Transformers Three? Paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. That easy answer. Remember what Michael Caine said? He would do five movies for a paycheck, <laughs> one for himself. That's true. Come on. That's true. That's what buy, that's what buys buys them Hollywood mansions. <laughs> that is true. Well, now let's go back to almost famous to get that bad taste of Transformers out of Sorry. our mouths. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she was the mom. Yes. yes, please. In almost famous, and she was terrifying. Yes. Yes. Like imagine calling up a rock star and being like, "Take care of my son," mm-hmm. or you know what, I'm gonna like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. Not she said it in a better way, yeah. obviously. <laughs> better acted and better lines but you know what I mean she was like genuinely frightening was such and a good convincing movie. you that um, what was that was that Hall and Oates was, was that Simon and Garfunkel or Hall and Oates Simon and Garfunkel I think, I think like, it was convincing you that they're on pot wow we suck that's one wow, of those suck one of those pair ups <laughs> oops Oh my god, my internet. I don't know Frances McDormand is probably she one of those she can do act- anything she can do anything yes She's she's one of those actors like a lot of people nowadays would probably wouldn't be able to name, but then she's actually one of those actors who who has this filmography that's just a list of really good movies and then some blockbuster hits that are kind of meh in terms of <laughs> critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. I don't, well, like, Transformers again, like, like I said, look, look, what you said earlier about Michael Caine, right? That famous story where somebody asked him if he'd seen Jaws four, which he's in. He's like, no, I've never seen Jaws four. But I've seen the house that it bought. So he's a happy guy. He got his money. Yep. Balana. Yep. Best example for Francis McDormand's bad movies or probably Madagascar. 3, oh my God, she was there? <laughs> Why did they keep making Madagascar movies? Yeah. Huh? Why did they keep making Madagascar movies? I mean, seriously. Because they want to move it, oh, move God. it. Sorry, just had to. 
No, like no, you didn't have to. It. You just did it anyway. Uh, he did. He did it. Okay, okay, good. fine. Yeah, we're just trying to make light of a, you know, a pretty serious. I movie. am impressed by Chloe Zhao's direction. It's yes. understated, yes. but it's very purposeful. Mm-hmm. It's it's yes. not documentary, but it's not showy either. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to say cinema verite, I think, but it's I, nice uh, to see. It's very natural, and I, I I'm curious how she's gonna apply that skill set to the Eternals. No, I, I well, I it's very it's kind of hard to to compare that to the Eternals because how Nomadland in in Nomadland you're essentially it's essentially a character study. Oh yes, mm-hmm. where in where in the Eternals it's obviously gonna be a blockbuster ensemble cast because mm-hmm. you have these all these great actors for the Eternals, whereas here. For for Nomad Land, you only had the character of Fern, and then you would see her in, in in interactions with the people she gets to meet along the way, and I think it gave us a chance, along with with Chloe Chow, to kind of learn more about the character. That's why it was so effective. And other than that, I think the right word for this was authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very yeah, authentic. I agree. It's gonna be hard to compare because these are like two totally different genres and styles of filmmaking. But given this, mm-hmm. it seems like a really promising look. At least you know that she's talented. You know that she has a vision, and I guess that's the important part. I just hope it just translates through the Eternals. Yep. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of going to be interesting to see that. As long as sure. they don't have a scene where Kit Harrington's looking for the paper towels while he's shitting on a bucket, I think we'll be good. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> mm. Hopefully not. All right. Um. So King let's. Of the North. Uh, but anyways. Um. <laughs> Um, So, okay, we can get deeper into the whole theme and message and story, but uh, let's get to the technical part. Tell me how much you love the visuals, like the the wide shots and everything. I fell in love with all the wide shots here. First two shots. First two shots of this movie. I was like, oh my God, cinematography. Wow. And I I love the Mm -hmm. vision of Chloe Zhao. I'm pretty sure she was able to, you know, translate her vision so well to her her DP, her cinematographer. It was perfect. And I think it was just absolutely essential to show such beautiful scenes because this is essentially also a traveling film. Mm -hmm. You see her go around, see beautiful places. And this is definitely part of telling you how wonderful this lifestyle also is because of all the sights you see and the beauty of nature that you're able to witness. And you really see those in these shots, the sunsets, the oh my goodness the the landscapes the mountains Something the desert oh. is that what I liked about it was um, with regards to the visuals and the nice landscapes and the vistas and the beautiful skylines honestly um, a lot of that is rooted in something that's very I mean sorry to say it, it's very American that whole road trip culture yeah. they yes. invented the interstate highways and all that so it <clears> suddenly <throat> became very romantic this idea you could drive from one end of the country to the other to the point where but the the way that they presented in this movie you're absolutely right you would get why somebody would want to wake up to that or to a different version of that every day and not be locked down to any one place and this movie captured that very well at some point, the colorful characters that they encounter along the way, that just became yes. like a bonus. 
Mm-hmm. Completely agree with that. I think that's I think that's I mean, one of I, the points I, this I, movie was trying to get to is that you know like that's a perk of living this kind of lifestyle is you get to see all these beautiful places that nobody takes the time to appreciate. And then along the way, you you meet mm-hmm. a different mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. of characters that you can actually connect to on a particular level. And then, you know, yep. love in some way that you won't be able to get in normal interactions in your daily life, living in a city with other people. And the way that Francis McDormand played it, I mean, I already mentioned earlier that it all feels very natural from the way it was shot, from the way it was performed. <coughs> what I liked about it is I never felt that she same, was putting on here. an act. Yeah. As silly as that sounds, I felt like I was watching a real person, a person with a lot of baggage, to, to be honest. Yeah. Well, yes. It, 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 that included it. Well, not literally, because she only has her van, but, but she was emotionally clearly, deep mm-hmm. down, there's yes. just so much in there, as opposed to the contrast of all the things that she has in her van, which is not much. Yep. She was clearly running right. away from and, something or trying to find something, either or. But there was something she was after. You could definitely tell and you can see and we learn throughout the course of the film why she has so much emotional baggage. And what I think the film does extraordinarily well is depict that sense of burden, that sense of carrying something that you're not quite ready to confront. So you will do anything and everything in your power to maintain some semblance of independence just to avoid confronting that thing that's really bothering you. And I think that this film, especially through Francis McDormand's performance, is able to convey so much of that even when there's no dialogue in the scene. You know, it's the quiet bits that are just as telling as the parts where she's interacting with the different characters or learning about this new way of lifestyle. And you know that at some point she's going to have to face it. She's going to have to confront it. Which she eventually did. That's why I mentioned earlier that this movie was about closure. Was that I think she was either trying to find a dis- one on, on some level a distraction. Or she's trying to run away from confronting the death of her husband. So the movie concludes with her going back to M- Empire to her old house. You know, just basically soaking in everything. Mm-hmm. You know that what it was like mm-hmm. being in that house. Um, maybe try to take in the last bits of memories of what it was like living there with her husband yep. when her husband was still alive. And then eventually she would give away all her things to a store. You know, just leave it all in in storage and drive off in the sunset. You know, basically for people accepting. to find on storage wars. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised though. I wouldn't be surprised though like yeah but but you know like I guess there's that is that you know she accepts her husband is no longer with her but she does have Mm -hmm. the open road she does have you know she basically owns everything now with the lifestyle that she lives she owns the open road she can have she owns her van van. Uh, it's basically a story of closure one and somebody who's taking control of, of her life or getting her life back together can we talk about that? Because like, for example, I mean, you saw how desperate she was to hold on to that illusion of control before she faced her demons, before she went back to the empty house. Like her truck, her van breaks down and it's going to cost like more than $5,000 to fix. You know, you could totally buy a used car for that. But she insists, no, that is my home. I'll find a way to pay for this. I'm going to borrow the money. I don't care. Just fix it. This is my home. Yeah. And I was like, 
you're willing to do all of that rather than face up to that shit that you're running away from to the point where even if you have a chance at happiness, you would rather avoid it than have a repeat of what happened to you in the past. It's like, Jesus Christ. She was so adamant about keeping that van. She was willing to pay so much more and... She mm-hmm. also said it herself. Like, uh, I I really worked hard on keeping this van and, like, putting it together. So it's just something of such sentimental value to her. Like, it's it's not... it's To her, it's not really just own, being comfortable in a big house or whatever. Because she's had so many chances already. You could see throughout the course of the film, she is a good person. A lot of people love her. She's very likable. And you see many people... Asking her or telling her, you know what? You can stay with us. It's no problem. We'd love to have you. Yes. Multiple times she's mm-hmm. come across people like that. But she still mm-hmm. chooses not to. So she is like very, very adamantly choosing this. And it goes on from like acquaintances, family members, even her own sister, even Dave, who ends up... Um, giving up that lifestyle for his family. He became a grandfather and he wanted to stay with his family. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so many chances, but she still, still really chooses. You know, that choice in itself just shows how fiercely independent she is. I'm just amazed that somebody would choose to be miserable rather than face up to what's making them unhappy in the first place. was she miserable though? That's the question. Okay, I have an answer to that. She was working in an Amazon warehouse. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she's miserable. Not just that. She had a lot of multiple odd jobs. Yep. She was no, 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 but I think that's the most miserable because she's working for fucking Bezos. <laughs> but and in, in you know other words, the conditions in Amazon. Look, the condi- now he's a James Bond villain. Now he just bought MGM. But uh, no, the the thing uh, is, I see the thing about the thing about Amazon is Wonder like Woman? you know their warehouses are infamous for the horrible working conditions. So yeah, you'd well. have to be deranged or absolutely desperate. Well, keep going back to that because we, they explain that her job there is seasonal so they don't need her all year round so it's something she comes back to willingly well you know at first I, I guess at first because you know it's it's the, the start of the movie we, we we don't know much about the character of Fern it's only until later we see that she actually chose this lifestyle and she knows what it means for her on her end true. to make ends meet so the question is, is she actually miserable? Because she actively chooses the certain lifestyle. I guess, you know, it's just a way, you know, it, 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 it's, it's one way for her to sustain herself in this particular lifestyle. Because she, she would have to buy food. How would she do that? Get a job. Odd jobs are available when you're on the road all the time. I guess it's something that she accepted as a character. Doesn't necessarily mean she's miserable about it. And for the majority part of the movie, we see the connections that she makes. And the connections that she makes is what makes her happy. That's why I guess she cho- she chooses the lifestyle. We see that in her connections with Linda May, with Swanky, even Dave. That's just, that's just and what- I think I think what this film is also trying to show is that because it could go both ways. You could think like, oh no, this is so sad. She might be so mis- miserable. Or there's another overly romanticized notion of like, oh wow, it's so beautiful to just be traveling and not care about the world. This is somewhere in the middle. It shows you the reality that yes, it yeah. is difficult. At the same time, but- yes, it is beautiful. But there are many things that you have to do in between, whether or not you like it. Yes. Or, you know, it can be 
gross, like how she would like clean up bathrooms with shit or puke, but you know, all these disgusting or maybe um, sad, odd jobs. But you know, it's something she, it's also her choice still. Yeah. It comes with the territory. Yeah. It's, it's something that the characters yeah, learn agree. to accept. So, so there. I, I, I agree with you that yes, it's the, absolutely, it is a choice whether or not whatever emotional state she's in, it is something that she has chosen for herself. But the thing about ignoring or putting aside your personal baggage, no matter how wonderful or how purposeful your alternative to facing your own shit is, at the end of the day, it catches up with you. You can try it, outrun it on the open road by keeping busy, by keeping yourself distracted, by living your life for you and nobody else. But at the end of the damn day, she's going to be left alone with her thoughts and that's going to catch up to her. And I think losing her friend to family happiness, ironically, made her realize that, hey, maybe not everybody is doing this for the same reasons. Maybe not everybody is as invested in this whole independent thing as I am. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there are just things about our lives that when we started out on these road trips and our nomad lifestyle that we just didn't consider possible you saw how betrayed she looked when she saw her friend happy with his grandchild yeah she's like hey fuck (laughs) you no we're independent we don't need this we don't need a roof over our heads guest house you're gonna live in his guest house no that's not what we're about that's not who we are that's that was a turning point for her yeah i think it's also a realization for her that because she at the surface, put so much merit in being yeah. independent and, you know, choosing this lifestyle. But at the end of the day, also, she has to accept that it's not for everyone either. Or, like, people mm-hmm. can choose however they want to go. And it's their own personal choice and nobody should judge them for that. Whether they come from a comfortable home like she did out on the open road mm-hmm. or or you come from yep. that out open road and you choose to like be comfortable with your loved ones. I mean, that's just all about acceptance in general of no matter what your life stature is. Mm-hmm. Although I just found it so amusing that part where she she was already staying at Dave's house, right? She had a comfy bed, warm, mm-hmm. you know, it was a you know, a nice night, you know. It yep. looked like a yep. big comfortable bed with like huge fluffy pillows, but she mm-hmm. still chose to like sleep in the van because she couldn't yes. sleep in that big bed. It's like, wow, girl, your commitment yes. to this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know what else? What else I appreciated in, in this, this movie is, apart from Frances McDormand's character, is, you know, this motley crew of, or motley, you know, this, this cast of characters, or even like some people, like minor roles, like you would see the kinds of people she would encounter. Yes. Remember that one part where she was in this, com- the, the, the gathering of the community together where they were telling each other what their backgrounds were? You know, this, this one guy who's a Vietnam War veteran yep. who had PTSD who couldn't be around crowds who couldn't be around fireworks yep. loud noises loud noises etc yep. etc et you know and then somebody who was just um, who lived it, you know who was working for corporate um, corporate America but then decided to just up and go when a friend of hers 
when a coworker of her passes away, she realizes that oh, I don't want to do a nine to five. I'm not happy here. You know, I want to live my life before I go. So there's there's just so much, you know, it's just a lot of enlightenment about that particular lifestyle that you never, especially us that we live in in we live here in, in Metro Manila that we're not fully aware of. Like, oh, people actively choose this kind of lifestyle. Um, it's something so unique. It's something. You know, that we can barely understand, but we grow to see and, or, you know, we grow to have an appreciation for it because of this movie, which is why I love this movie of how authentic it delivers its message or how it tells the story of, of this community, of, of this particular lifestyle. I found it ironic that, you know, like Santa it's Claus just so unfortunate that Bob. after you see this movie, you wish, like, if you had the means to actually do this, you couldn't do this here in the Philippines. In- because all you'd traffic. be doing is like going around Luzon. <laughs> First traffic. Pangalawa, sa Luzon ka lang and you can't just like go to the other 7,000 well, islands of the Philippines in a well, car. <laughs> well, may roro naman. Pero, still. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not dude. the same. <laughs> Mahirap. Hindi siya parang US na parang sa, sa road ka lang you can get anywhere. Dito parang, um, kailangan ko pang isama yung kotse ko sa barko. <laughs> oh, nga. One I, of those. I, I found it very telling that, you know, what I said earlier, you know, Santa Claus motherfucker, Bob, um, <laughs> that even he had something that he was avoiding. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah, that was... You know, he was the yeah. one, he was basically the patron saint of No Man's Land, you know? We can do this, we can, he was like teaching people, he was preaching the gospel of living on your own and just, you know, making your way across the road. And it turned out that even he had something he was running from. So what you said earlier, Anjo absolutely holds weight that everyone came into this for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's what Francis McDormand, that's what Fern had trouble reconciling that not everybody was doing it for the reason that she was doing it. That conversation he, she had with And all these relationships she forms. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All these relationships she forms also, no matter how small these interactions you see, like, oh, she meets one person and then another. Like, she, like for instance, the, um, the, the elderly lady that she met who has, like, how many months left to live. Swanky. Or her co-worker in that parking yeah. space. Yeah. Linda May. And also <laughs> even that young man she shared a cigarette oh, with. That guy. The lighter. That, I love that, that guy. That guy. That, that, that's my uh, favorite that, scene. Yep. That's my favorite scene. Those little interactions, as rich and short they were, and it was it was utterly delightful to be seeing these conversations. But at the same time, these people come and go, and that's the bittersweet part of it, that yes, you do have these rich, deep, amazing conversations, but you know at some point you're gonna end, they're gonna end, you're gonna have to say goodbye because you're both gonna go your separate ways. Yes. And you're just gonna leave it at that whatever moment you had you'll just treasure that small moment it, it, oh, it was so beautiful yes that's that's I think one of the most powerful things about this it, movie is that it's like you know you you go out you go out on you, you meet somebody you connect with and then you never see that person again I think that's the, the most powerful powerful message this I, movie this movie had can I overshare um, yeah you can't stop me any, I'm just gonna do it anyway you can't stop me <laughs> For the first half of my life, basically, I was living in other people's countries because of my father's work with the Foreign Service. He was with DFA, so we moved around a lot. 
like average like two or three years per country and then just move on. So after the first couple of countries, I kind of, I, I, part of the defense mechanism was just not making those little connections with people because it just hurt too much every time that we had to move out. And, you know, Aww. this was like the 90s, right? The 80s and 90s. There was no internet. And kids are stupid. Kids are assholes. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 you know, we'll keep in touch. We'll send you <laughs> letters. No, they don't. Like, oh, maybe they do. Uh, fine. Like the first <laughs> birthday, the first Christmas. Fine. That's when they send their postcards and shit. But after that, you know, because especially when you're younger, things are so transient that it's like you didn't exist. So I just learned to be grateful for the people around me. And that, in my case, that was my family, the people I loved. And for the longest time, I thought that that would be the, the kind of life I would live later on. But it was only after more or less basing myself here in Manila with school, with work and all that sort of thing. I just, you know, became pe- grateful for the people around me. And I get what you mean about making connections with people that you only meet once making connections with people that you don't see for days, weeks, months, like Santa Claus said, <laughs> you know, you encounter them later on. Only and every that Christmas. person <laughs> might not even realize what kind of an impact you had mm-hmm. because maybe you were just together for like, you know, grade two or three or some country, you come back 20 years later and they, they lived their entire fucking lives. They forgot about you, but you're like, no, you're, you're part of my memory of this place. So I appreciated that bit where Bob was sharing how he learned to appreciate the little things with the people that he encounters. And whether or not he sees them again, it's okay because they never said goodbye. I really like that part. It was always, yeah, I'll see you goodbye, down the road. Yeah, it's not goodbye, it's see you down the road. Mm-hmm. Aww. That, that was just good. That was so nice. So heartwarming. It it's funny how com- coming into this movie, everybody thought it was going to be like this heavy drama thing or I don't know like I yeah. jumped into this movie not knowing what to expect only knowing mm-hmm. that it won awards mm-hmm. and that it was based on a book yep mm-hmm. and, and then if I felt bad after watching the movie fine okay lang because at least I got to to see a work of art but then you know this movie ended up making me feel good uh, you know making me appreciate things especially the relationships that I have I wouldn't even say things it's more, more f- relationships because what this movie taught me was that, you know, these people have like short-term relationships. They have nuggets of wisdom from people mm-hmm. they meet. I have, Absolutely. I have my friends. I have my family who I can just easily talk to at any given moment, and that g- gave me some sort of appreciation. This movie gave me some sort of appreciation for what I have access to. Exactly. I mean, like the, what I was saying earlier was like moving around as many times as we did. At some point, I was just always angry. And it was only later on that I realized that I should be grateful for the things that I have, for the connections that I've made, rather than complaining about the ones that I've lost or the ones that never happened. It's just, yeah. just life's too short, you know? Life's too short. Mm-hmm. It's a That's why beautiful I really change love, of perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I love sharing the lighter with that dude who just asked for a cigarette. Because yeah. we've all been there. Yeah, We have all been there. Mm-hmm. And yep. later on, he gives her back... He give, he gives her another lighter, which may or may not have a dinosaur bone attached. I like that part. That's the, I like that, it. That's, a, that's a dinosaur bone. It. Is it really though? Yeah. I only know what they tell me. It's like ah, I, exactly okay, yeah, right. Yeah. That makes sense. But the <laughs> fact that you think it's something special, but you gave it to me anyway, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. 
and it's not just the relationships it's it also boils down to like going back to the car like how much she valued the car like a lot of us have so many things at our disposal and we take so many things for granted but for fern and everybody else all these little things in their van or in their rvs are just so important to them mm-hmm. like i remember that scene where she of all the things she chose to bring with her in that trip was were the plates that she got from her dad. Yes. yes. And then Dave just... And like, <laughs> you just really choose all the things that mean the world Something. to you. And yes. when you see that eventually in the movie, it gets broken. Parang iba yung, iba yung heartbreak na mafeel mo because like, konti, sobrang konti na nga ng gamit. I have so little material things and yes. of all the things that I really value, this gets broken. For for most of us, it's like, oh, it's a plate. Whatever, just buy a new one. But for her, it was just like, she really worked hard to glue it together. She yeah. spent mm-hmm. the night. And yes, just absolutely. so much value put into the things that you have right now. So much gratitude for those things. It makes you realize that, yeah, there are just a lot of things we take for granted. Yep, absolutely. Apart from, of course… We got into the story, which is the the meat of the movie. But you know, apart from the story, what I and then and the performances of of these characters, what I enjoyed also about the movie, you know, as in contrast to a lot of the movies I've been watching recently, whereas you know, it it had to have agile editing or or you know, like over gratuitous special effects or VFX. This movie was so smooth. Everything was so put well put together. The editing, the transitions were so natural. It was so smooth. None of it felt jarring. It was very calming. You know, like after a very hectic week for, for, for me, it was like a perfect movie to watch. Appreciating beautiful sceneries, amazing performances. You know, it was just something nice to come crash, not, not to not crash back down to earth. It was something that would kind of like gently ease you back into earth to just lie down and watch and appreciate. Every... Also, the musical score was beautiful. It was so subtle. It perfectly fit whatever, yes. yeah, whatever scenery you would see. Like you'd see the waves crashing, and the music behind you is just like uh, so soothing. The way the music was scored, it was just it just creeps into it without you barely noticing, and then oh, all of a sudden it's just there. That's what I liked all about. Yeah, it. very well done. This this, very this whole ensemble of like creative people putting together this 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 piece of. Um, this, this work, this best, you know, it's just. Can I? It's disturbing. Can I just interject? Can I interject though? Like I, um, going back to what you guys are saying. Yes, it's wonderful in how poignant it is because it's understated, but it 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 manages to convey all of these emotions in taking something that is ostensibly bleak and depressing, but managing to twist it to show you to draw you in. To the point that it becomes something that's uplifting and, and actually life affirming mm. at the end of the day. But what, what I, I wanted to talk, say was, can you imagine the whiplash that she had? Because while she was making this on set, you know, she would divide her time here and the pre-prod on the Eternals, which is like a multi-million dollar, you know, blockbuster. Hollywood blockbuster thing. So I'm like, what the hell do you do to get into that kind of a mindset to go from one to the I next? I know, they're so different. That is insane. That's nuts. It's you know, it's something like, so mundane versus something so out, out like, of this world. You know, you know the amount of special effects or visual effects she would have to use for the Eternals, 
And then you have something like Nomadland where there's nothing. Exactly. It was bare. You know? And apparently like some of the cast, like McDormand was literally living in her van like for le- for legitimacy. Mm. Like while they were shooting this thing. I don't want to know what that thing smelled like at the end of the day. Oh, but you know. Well, she did have a vent. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, which she only turned on when she was like halfway through. Well, you know, you get it all out first before oh, you can start man. moving, right? You kind of kind of have to squeeze everything out first. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, Misha's face, Misha's uh, face. That. If only yeah. you guys could see Misha's face. <laughs> oh, poop. Moving on. Yeah, but well, I guess she really earned that best director trophy. Oh yeah, absolutely. This, this the closest analogy I can think of, honestly, and this is gonna date me again, is Spielberg doing post on Jurassic Park while prepping Schindler's List, while shooting Schindler's List. Sorry. Damn. Oh my God. Schindler's wait, wait. List. He was shooting. <laughs> those, he was shooting Schindler's <laughs> List while doing while doing post, post on Jurassic Park. Damn. He left the States as soon as principal photography wrapped in Jurassic Park. He flew straight to Europe to do Schindler's List. He left his buddy boy, George Lucas, in charge of the post-prod while he was away. I, uh, so they would do video conferences, like shitty video conferences to talk about how to... Like proceed. 90s video conferences with those big-ass CNN cameras. <laughs> yeah, on your CRT uh, TVs oh if you kill a man with. Uh, that's fine. And then the delay is there, right? And George Lucas had so much fun doing the CGI. Hey, I bet I could make more Star Wars movies now that technology is at this point, And we all know what happened there. So we've been praising this movie because of everything that it's offered us. All the insights and like what a visual and cinematic treat it generally is. Is there anything you'd want to change or anything you didn't like? No. And honestly, no. There were su- there's subtle hints of humor. There's enough hints of... Sorrow, you know, it's 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 part. I, I think it was perfectly made. It's so I wouldn't say it's the 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 best movie ever. It's just so well put together that you change anything or tweak anything, you just ruin it. In my opinion, that's just me. Yeah, I I kind of like the, the reason I asked is because I can't think of anything honestly. <laughs> no. Yeah, I I don't want to change anything about it. I think it paints a very good picture of something that's actually happening in the world now. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. that, in, in, it's a real thing. There are people who go through this every day. There are people who really do live their lives by choice this way, and they found a way to introduce a compelling narrative to it against that framework. And it was very well done. You're right. I don't think they can change anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just works. It does, doesn't it? Yep. But so if, okay, I want to ask. So go. What type? This is a pretty serious film. I mean, they they wouldn't put it up for, I guess, um, best picture or anything if it didn't have something of this substance. So, what mindset mm-hmm. would you have to be to really appreciate this film? Because me personally, also, I wasn't in the mood for it when I watched it. Like I like when we had to watch it, we agreed to talk about it. And at the time, I the only time I had to just like watch it, I was like, oh, I'm so sleepy. I'm not in the mood. Oh my god, this is this might be so serious. I'm gonna fall asleep. But no, surprisingly, given how simple it was and how understated it was, I did not feel sleepy. I did not space out in any way because I was just like invested in it. 
like with the visuals palang, I was kept awake because of that. But because of everything that went on, all the small, teeny tiny relationships in between, I was like pleasantly surprised that I did not I, space out or fall asleep. I think to fully appreciate this movie is you just jump in not expecting anything. Yeah. Which is what I did. Like, uh, you know, best picture, okay, watch. First two I shots, I was like, wow. I didn't even see a trailer. I didn't even see a trailer. Same. I, I went in cold. Same. I mean, I Me I knew either. roughly what it was about, mm-hmm. but I not I had never seen a clip. I, I went in cold, and I was like in a really shitty mood. But I ended it with some measure of hope because that's just the kind of movie no, it, is. it draws you in, and it 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 does what it does yep. very well. It ended on a very hopeful note, you know, with her yes. just driving off in the in the distance, you know, living her life, which is essentially you know something that not a lot of people can do. You know, I like how it ends where she's taking control of her life. That's that's yes. that's what I appreciated the most. That's yes. why I love. She exercised her demons. Yes, that's what I love about this movie is that we get our happy ending, although it's very subtle. Where she finally now she can move forward. Exactly. So there, yeah. So like, what if she trades in her van for a truck? And what if that truck is Optimus Prime? We get a blockbuster. What? Okay. Fucking hell, she wins Transformers three. We get, we get a better movie. <laughs> we get fighting robots. <laughs> we get those big Michael Bay explosions oh, and Francis McDormand. God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can just cut that out. I'm so sorry. No, I no, can't no. stop myself. Don't cut it out. Don't cut it out. I am not watching that. <laughs> Don't cut it out, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Don't you're lying. Like if it came out tomorrow, right? Hey. It'd be like Transformers in Nomad Land. Hey. You would watch that shit. Hey, BTS is gonna be there. BTS will be there. The poop okay, bucket I mean- will be a Transformer. <laughs> 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 no, but this movie, what what this movie made me is that it really made me curious about what Chloe Jaw is gonna be putting out for Marvel. Because I can't see somebody directing this kind of movie, directing a movie like The Eternals, which is to an extent, you know, a smaller scale Avengers movie. Yeah, I have no so, idea how it's gonna go. I'm curious. I'm excited. You know, it's it's Marvel. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, and it's Chloe Zhao. He's probably the the only Oscar winner to be directing a Marvel movie. Probably. Like you said, like wait. <laughs> The only uh, best director, Eternals, I think. Whether or no, not Kenneth we have Branagh. Eternals in the picture, I'm really glad I saw this film. I'm really glad it was made. And mm-hmm. same. Yeah, I'm just looking at it as it is, without any work from here on forward. I'm just really in awe in of how Chloe Zhao was able to pull this off. Can I just share? I was watching this movie with my baby next to me, and he was just like chilling, watching the scenery. <laughs> Didn't cry oh, or anything. No. For a full two hours, just with me, next to me, on why, why, while I was watching this, it's like, oh, well, he's quiet. I guess he likes the movie too, <laughs> kid. Because there are no loud uh, noises, no explosions, or what. <laughs> Until Optimus Prime Your shows up. Your baby's like, yeah. yay, daddy's watching something good for once. Your kid's hey. got taste. <laughs> and all right, I guess we've sung enough praises about this movie. So if you have any thoughts as well, if there is anything you missed. Uh, anything we missed feel free to sound off let us know what you think about 
Chloe Zhao's um, Nomadland and how Francis McDormand was, how everything was on our Facebook group, Subatours We Like Movies. And uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram as well. Instagram.com slash sub underscore auteurs. And yeah, it was pretty refreshing to finally talk about something without explosions or blood. Mm-hmm. Or violence. So thank you for listening to another episode of Subotours. Feel free to let us know what you want us to talk about next. Again, it's Subotours. We like movies on Facebook groups. And I'm MJ. I'm Nisha. And I'm Andrew. 